0: to another episode of the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the work burnout patterns that are keeping you stuck in the cycle of burnout, specifically around your job and around work. So, today, hey everybody, I've actually decided to go live on Instagram as I'm recording this podcast because I wanted to hang out and I wanted to get your feedback and just your input, especially around your specific job, your specific career, and how work plays into draining your energy or burning you out. And today we're going to talk about the common work burnout patterns that you keep repeating because they are stuck in your nervous system, meaning our nervous system has become dysregulated Uh, Because these deep-seated beliefs, these ways that we were brought up, these patterns that we've repeated over and over again um, have served us or protected us. And we're going to talk about why they once served us, but they are not helping us anymore. And the crazy thing about this or the wild thing is that we can know, like intellectually understand and already know some of these things I'm gonna talk about today. I'm gonna talk about 12 common patterns. And you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. I do do that sometimes, I'm working on it. But when we are in it, like when we're in that tornado in real time, it's so difficult to see it. It's hard to see the tornado coming at us, let alone, you know, until we're cycling inside of that wild twister and we're being thrown around and the cows are being thrown around and the houses are being thrown around. I just, I'm thinking of the movie Twister at, at this point. Um, solid movie from the 90s if you've never seen it, go and watch that. But that's what I feel like when it comes to burnout because everything just feels like this swirling chaotic mess and we're like, how did we get here in the first place? So I want to bring these to your attention so that you can start to recognize these patterns before you get stuck in the twister, the burnout twister. Um, so right now I'm actually looking out the window at this incredible winter wonderland <laughs> snowscape. I'm here in Lake Tahoe on a, it's actually really cool what I'm doing. I'm in a house that is for digital nomads or just people who work remotely and want to travel. And this company, creates um, these houses, like puts these houses together. And it's for people who wanna travel, but don't wanna do it alone. They wanna be in community. They wanna meet other people who, you know, live similar lives and travel and see the world. So this is my first trip. um, And so far it's blowing my expectations away. Lake Tahoe is incredibly beautiful. I love the snow. I love the mountains. So this trip was actually a big step outside of my comfort zone because I started to feel, I'll say just like twinges of what would eventually turn into burnout over the last year. And I know this and it didn't turn into burnout because I've done this work and I understand myself and I understand what the signs are that start to whisper at me, like it's time to, like, something's calling me to make a shift. Something is, is needed. I, my, my spirit, my body, my mind are not aligned to what's like currently going on in my day to day. And it needs something new. It needs something different. It needs a shift. And it's my job to hear that and align to it and then start to make those little changes. So that's how I'm here to be quite honest. Um, and I'm super grateful to be able to do it. So have, yeah. How's everyone doing? I'm sorry for my voice. It's a little raspy today. Okay. So let's get into it. Um, so again, so today we're going to talk about these common work burnout patterns and next week on Thursday, March 16th, I think it is Just double check with my handy dandy old school planner. Yeah. Next Thursday, March 16th, we're gonna kick off the first of four live group coaching calls in this program that I'm creating called Drop the Work Burnout Cycle. And it's connected to the, my like my big program, the Burnout Recovery Roadmap. So if you're in Burnout Recovery Roadmap, this is just, you are just gonna be grandfathered into this program and you can attend the lives all of the videos will be recorded so they'll live there forever and ever but you can also just join this four-week live group coaching series and then get access and have um lifetime access to all of the replays there's also an additional bonus inside of that program which is five um like break the burnout cycle pre-work videos that you'll have access to as soon as you enroll so even if you just signed up today um and we don't start till next Thursday there's stuff you can start doing and taking action on i know when i sign up for something i'm like just ready to go and i don't want to wait so that's available it's you can enroll now it's um for the whole thing for the 4 weeks the 4 the 4 live coaching calls and the 5 bonus uh videos and then there's my um Burnout Nervous System workbook that's also included in that. Anyway, the whole thing is 222. I love alliteration with letters and I love alliteration with numbers and I consider that to be alliteration. So, yeah, the whole thing is 222. The link's in my bio. Okay, let's get into it. So, something that I heard recently that I really think applies to burnout in most cases is this the unders. Lead to overs. What I mean by that is like feeling undervalued, feeling under resourced, underproductive, underpaid, underappreciated, underheard. I'm going to start to like kind of make up words here, but you're going to get it. Feeling under supported, underworthy, not deserving, underconfident. You know what I mean? And this feeling of not enough, of under triggers. Our self-worth, limiting beliefs, our self-trust issues, so we start to doubt ourselves, the feelings of us, you know, feeling being unseen, feeling being unheard, and it's like we don't matter. And so then we overcompensate for feeling those unders. Like how many of you listening are overachievers, like you would just self- Identify as an overachiever or you're someone who just goes above and beyond what's asked, whether it's at work or it's at in your home life or even in your friendships, like you can take this out of the work context and it still applies for other causes of burnout people who are just over committed, right? You say yes to so many things, or maybe you're a people pleaser and you're just overdoing, right? You're over responsibility, you're over actioning, you're over thinking, you know what I'm saying? So it, beca- it creates this negative feedback loop. Well, it's not really a negative feedback loop, but it creates this cycle and it really starts to pull the twister towards us faster and faster and faster. And before we know it, we're heading deep into burnout. Now, what I find the most fascinating is that, like I said, a lot of this is a nervous system, deeply ingrained pattern, which means it's very like, you ever just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm being like pulled into this, or you know that something like this job isn't for you, you know, this Something is off with the way that what you're being asked to do maybe with work or responsibility or taking on a task or something. And you feel like you can sense like, this is probably not the best, right? But something inside of you, you sort of ignore it. You sort of ignore that or you distract yourself or you tell yourself, oh, it's not that bad. Like you're just, you're overreacting, right? Or on the other hand, it feels so familiar that your nervous system actually misinterprets it as a safe or an okay situation, because that's maybe how you were brought up. Maybe you were undervalued when you were younger and then you started overdoing, overachieving to get attention, to get that value, to get that you know support from your caregivers, your teachers, whatever. So because we've done it so many times, like a habit, just like brushing our teeth every single morning, it's just what feels like what you have to do. It just feels like the only option. It doesn't even feel like a sliding slope down into danger, into burnout territory until we start to recognize the patterns Not with our thoughts, not thinking about it, but on that energetic slash emotional level. Okay, so let's get into it because I think we're going to have a lot of questions. And please feel free to drop the questions in the live as you have them. Okay, so the first common work burnout pattern is imposter syndrome. And these are in no particular order, just how I, as they came to my mind. So imposter syndrome is basically feeling like you're a fraud, feeling like you don't have the smarts, don't have the capabilities, don't have the skills, are basically um, not capable of handling the job at hand. So my first job out of My dietetic internship was the first time I ever experienced imposter syndrome. Sure, there were times where I was asked to do things like in past jobs or at school where I was like, can I do this? I'm really nervous about it. I just, you know, giving presentations and stuff like that always used to make me terrified. But it wasn't until I started this job where I started to have all of these internal doubts that I believed. I didn't believe that I was old enough to have this you know, I was the head dietitian at this big, beautiful health club, which was like running a department. And I had no idea about sales. I was just, you know, scratching the surface of my nutrition knowledge. Um, and, you know, knowing something and then teaching it are two different things. And coaching, helping people actually apply this is a whole other thing, too. So I would doubt all of that. I would doubt my ability to <clears throat> like, I just doubted that I was the right fit for this position. And I really let that infest, infect my mind and points like start to poison my thoughts. So every time I thought about going to work, I just never felt good enough, smart enough, um, anything enough. And I would feel so small, so under capable that it became overwhelming. So what are the patterns of imposter syndrome? I think it really starts with that feeling of self-doubt of really, and then really believing those thoughts that come with that. So I experience imposter syndrome as fight or flight, meaning I get really nervous. um, My heart rate goes up, I feel anxious. I would probably more in the flight category. And so I retreat or run away by canceling plans. Um, Not uh, like I would, was supposed to be in charge of like setting up group calls and group meetings and I would just not do it, excuse me. Um, So it was very much a sympathetic nervous system response for me and so understanding how it feels to start to be pulled into fight or flight to start to see the thoughts associated with that, the beliefs, the underlying self-limiting beliefs that I had associated with that, and then the feelings and how, and then the actions that you, you know, the behaviors that that causes you to do, which is the fleeing, the running, the hiding, the the heart racing, the feeling nervous, the not taking on bigger things, you know, all that. You start to see this this pattern because you're taking a step back from it. So you can get a little bit of a zoomed out perspective and you start to see, okay, like underneath the feeling of imposter syndrome is the belief that I'm not skilled enough. I'm not energetic enough. I'm not, um, I don't know, creative enough, whatever. Anyway, We automatically, in the work burnout um, uh, program, sorry, can't think of words, that I teach, we automatically label those self-limiting beliefs as false. These feel real, you've thought them a million times, so they feel like truth, but they're actually not. And anything that tells us we're not good enough, from that place of shame, from that place of you know really trying to pull you down and um sabotage you or limit you towards getting what you want or living a life that you want towards a feeling or an experience that you want we label as false and then we start to do the work around helping ourselves to rewire our relationship with that belief so that it no longer holds that triggering feeling it no longer triggers us we just automatically Whenever it pops up, we're like, oh, there's that thing again. And it doesn't hold such an energetic or emotional weight to it, if that makes sense. So we do the rewiring with identifying the belief. We do the rewiring with EFT. We do the rewiring with journaling. We do the rewiring with somatic um, therapy and somatic movement because we can't just think ourselves out of these patterns. We have to feel our way out of these patterns. And sometimes the best way to feel to get down into our body and get out of our head is to move with it, to move with the nervous system pattern. So the associated somatic practice with whatever nervous system state you are stuck in, survival mode. Okay, let's move on to number two. The second common work burnout pattern I see is your self-worth being tied to feeling productive. So like never feeling enough no matter how much you do, feeling anxious or restless, if you're not working or not taking action towards that thing that you feel like you should be, it's that urge, it's that FOMO, it's that I'm not doing enough, I'm not being enough, I didn't do enough work today to earn, not bashing myself over the head with self-criticism and shame and blame. And I find this so interesting because I used to have a self-worth belief tied to the scale, tied to weighing myself, right? Like the number on the scale, if it was this arbitrary number that I decided out of nowhere, that was good enough, my day I was better, like I felt better. Like, oh, I'm allowed to feel good today because the number on the scale was below X. And so, and then if it was above X, oh, I wasn't, a, I wasn't deserving of feeling happy. I wasn't deserving of good things. I had to be in this state of really low energy, um, really negative feeling, all of that. And it wasn't conscious, it's just what I believed. Like, it's, I didn't even give it a second thought until I started to bring in more self-awareness and self-attunement. But the same thing is here. It's like I took the self-worth, once I really healed that, off the scale and I put it onto something else that was equally as damaging, which was productivity, which was working enough. So if you find that you really don't allow yourself to feel good or happy or even deserve time off or even just like having some leisure time or just hanging out with your kids or your family or with your friends on the weekends, because in the back of your mind, you're believing I didn't perform well enough at work. I really sucked at work. Like this was, I, you know, I didn't get to do enough. I didn't finish all the things on my to-do list. So therefore I don't deserve to rest, to recharge, to play. So what ends up happening is one of two things you either over, compensate and you overwork that weekend, you do something along those lines, because that will, in your mind, help you feel like better because now you're being productive or you will shame yourself so that you will maybe feel burnt out or you won't do anything. You'll just kind of like sit like a blob, I say as jokingly, like become the couch, (laughs) just you know, binge bingeing TV, just whatevering, not really doing anything recharging and not really doing anything to um to help you you're just stewing in shame ultimately. And that is just going to feed and fester as well. So it's this under over com- conversation again that it comes back to. So what is the answer, right? That's something that I'm going to teach you in the four-week series of Drop the Work Burnout Struggle. So let's go to the third common pattern, which is perfectionism. You knew this one was going to be on the list, and we all joke about it, right? If you're like, hi, I'm a recovering perfectionist, or people say like, I'm just a perfectionist. I need it to be right. I need it to look right. And if it's not good enough, I won't even try. I won't even finish it. You know, I won't even apply for that job if I don't feel like I'm perfect enough for it or I won't even consider myself for that project or I won't even, you know, it's an all or nothing thinking, but I also connect it back to the nervous system response as well because I truly believe it is a stress slash maybe trauma response. Again, if something in our experience growing up or even in our adult lives, where we were made to feel like if we didn't do it perfectly, it wasn't worth doing at all. We weren't worthy of being recognized. We weren't worthy of trying. We weren't worthy of, you know, existing, of being in the room, whatever, whatever, whatever the belief is telling you underneath the surface. Again, we immediately label that as a false limiting belief. And when we label it as false, we really separate ourselves from it because we see it as something like, oh my gosh, this isn't actually me. This isn't actually like the truth of who I am. Because of course, we're all deserving. We're all worthy inherently because we exist here and we don't have to be any perfection, even close to perfection, which is a totally subjective, um, view whether we created that s- subjective view or society did or whatever but it's made up it's made up bullshit. <laughs> we get to decide what is right for us we get to decide what's perfect for us based on what we want and what is right for us in that moment aligned to our values of nourishment aligned to our values of Um, connection aligned to our values of what's important in our lives. So we get to rewire that and reframe that and really stop the pattern of perfectionism before it takes over. Number four common work burnout pattern is poor time management. So this definitely goes to the over and under conversation. So maybe you feel like you're overworked, over responsibility, and you don't have the balance of play of free flowing time, where you allow yourself to do what you feel like doing in a way that's restorative and nourishing. For some reason, when it comes to many people who are burned out, our time management, skills really start to go out the window. Just because you have free time in your schedule or in your day or in your week does not mean that you have to fill it. Does not mean that it's there just waiting for you to fill with another chore, another responsibility, another thing to do that is taking energy away from you. There were times in that first job where i experienced burnout and this was again came with i guess more growth and more confidence but my computer screen was viewable to anyone any client any new person that sat across the table from me so they could see my schedule and the audacity of some of these people but i will also say my boundaries with my time were very poor but they would be like, oh, you have a time, you have time at 7.30 in the morning on Thursday, or, oh, you have an opening on Saturday at 4 p.m. And in my mind, I was like, well, I was gonna, you know, leave at that time, or I wasn't gonna get in until 8.30, but yeah, okay, sure, sounds good. And I would say yes, but inside I was like, no, this is not what I want, I felt, I felt the impedance, is that the right word? Of my boundary, that person was moving into my space, but I didn't have the tools to block that. I didn't have the boundary set up intentionally. And of course, therefore, then I couldn't hold the boundary because it didn't even exist in my thought or my energy or my words or my actions or anything. So where are you sacrificing your time based on the belief that you need to fill it, that you should just be able to have your time open for anyone who wants to come in and take your time? So what is your relationship with time management? Number five is you don't feel worthy or safe to get the rest you need. So when I use the word safety, when it comes to work and burning out, it might feel a little odd, but ultimately this comes back to our nervous system. Our nervous system feels most regulated when it feels safe, safe from any outside danger and safe from any inside internal danger, and that could be you know, a situation that's true danger, like where our lives are actually at stake, or it could be perceived stress and perceived danger, which honestly is the form of traffic, is the form of your time being, you know, taken from you, all the things that we're kind of talking about on this list. But somewhere inside your nervous system is in survival mode. If it's in survival mode, it's not feeling safe. Let's just make sure we all understand that. So if we know like intellectually, yeah, I need rest. (laughs) Sleep is good, I need downtime, rest is helpful, yes. But when it comes to having that time or being intentional with the time that you do have, what are you actually believing? What is the response of your nervous system? Do you feel restless? Do you feel shame? Do you feel guilt? Do you feel just bad, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I should rest, but I'm not going to. Or like, maybe you take the complete other aspect where it's like, no, rest is for the week. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm building this company. I'm trying to get to this role. I'm trying to get a salary boost. I'm trying to get a title. I'm trying to impress my boss. I'm trying to get make partner, whatever it is. And you're like, okay, well, rest is just not on the priority list right now, it's on the back burner and I'm just gonna push myself to get it. And we don't feel safe or worthy to take it because it's a threat to what we're going for. It's a threat to what we want. Somewhere inside you, here we go again, back to self-limiting beliefs, somewhere inside you, you believe that if you allow yourself to rest, you won't be able to get to that level of success, that job title, you know, have whatever, get your company to that level you won't succeed. So what had you start to believe that if you took some time to rest, to have some downtime, to recharge, to play, even if it was a few minutes a day, or an afternoon a week, or a day a week, or the weekend, whatever, has you believed that that's not going to help, that's, that's in your way of having the success that you want? And obviously, if that is not working, if you keep burning out over and over again, whether you know it's a mental burnout, a physical burnout, a spiritual burnout, it's not working. So we need to rewire that belief that is now limiting you because it's preventing you from getting what you want, even if your nervous system and mind aren't on board yet. So we need to create that feeling of safety that it's okay to get rest, that it's okay to recharge, and that's actually serving the work that you want, what you want in your life. And this all comes back to values as well. Number six comes down to feeling stressed about finances. Slash, I feel like this goes in the same, feeling this responsibility to financially take care of your family, and it creates this immense pressure an obligation to work to earn enough because if you aren't doing that, you're going to end up poor. Your family is going to suffer. You're not going to have enough food. You're not going to be able to take care of your kids. And we really internalize this and especially when it comes to like our flesh and blood, we will do anything to protect them, right? Like we're able to move mountains. We're able to go above and beyond. We're able to do these things, these extremes that maybe we would have never been able to do before um, if it was just us. But because it's our family and because it's people that we truly love and care about, that is a major motivator. And we will push ourselves further and further um, into burnout often because of this. So financial stress is, you know, a hundred percent real. And is something that is probably on a lot of our minds a lot of the time. So how do we rewire our beliefs about our finances? Well, this comes back to the stories that we make up, the stories that we tell ourselves about what our relationship with money is. This comes back to working in order to earn you know, a decent living. I have to work hard. These are beliefs. These are beliefs that are true because we believe them, because we live them, but they're not the only truth that's available. So how do we start to pick a new truth that feels better, that helps us align in our life more to what we truly want and what we truly have to give? And how do we start to help our nervous system feel safe inside of that belief? How are you guys resonating with this stuff? Is it clicking? Is it vibing with you? Does it make sense? Just give me like a thumbs up if if you're on board, if it makes sense for you. you. Or if any of these are kind of something you resonate with or you're going through, please, please feel free to share that in the comments. I would love to start a conversation. All right, number seven. I kind of just mentioned this one, but you were taught that hard work and success looks like struggling and hustling while sacrificing your needs that help you feel physically and mentally well. For a long time, you know, like there's such a culture, especially in the United States of like hustle mode and like entrepreneur life and like go-getter and working your ass off and it's just here and you hear it and slowly it just starts to like seep into your bones (laughs) and your nervous system. And we, for a long time, what meant what I equated to hard work really was interpreted in my body as struggling and trying, but not succeeding. And, I don't know if that makes sense when I say it out loud, but I had a block for a long time about like, a, like this invisible ceiling of what I felt comfortable with in terms of my career, in terms of how much I allowed myself to be seen, in terms of like how much success I felt like I could handle and that blocked me. And it blocked me on like quite a low level because again, imposter syndrome and lots of other things. But, so I had this this level that I never allowed myself to pass because I just didn't feel worthy or deserving or good enough to have it. So, but I I wanted to work. Like working hard made my nervous system feel like I was I was fighting, right? I was fighting and I was working for it and I was in survival mode. And working hard meant Struggling meant trying, but it didn't mean succeeding. So I would work hard. I would work long hours. I would overwork. I would work multiple jobs because it gave me this feeling like, oh, I'm working towards the success that I tell myself that I want. But I didn't even realize that I had this self-limiting belief that was also blocking me from having it. So I was just creating this cycle of burnout where I would overwork. I would sacrifice i would struggle and i thought that that was actually like a good thing like oh this means that i'm really on track like i'm really working for it because everyone who's ever succeeded at anything has had to struggle and sacrifice and break down and break their you know have a mental breakdown and struggle physically and struggle mentally and that's just you know par for the course how effed up is that just like saying it out loud Again, this is not a belief we need to subscribe to The struggle is not required for you to feel good and certainly for you to feel like well and inspired and energized and connected and grounded and present in your life and in your work. It is not I know this is a hard that's a hard one, especially because. You know, we've seen our families work really hard. We've seen our families struggle. We've seen people that we love, like, really work their whole lives for just enough or just to take care of their family or to, you know, get to a better circumstance. And we respect it and we, you know, see them and we honor them and we appreciate them for it, especially if it's helped us have a better quality of life. Um, and I think that makes it really hard to untangle that from our belief system as well. There's a lot that comes up with that one, but'm i I'm hoping, and I'm excited to help you work through that if that's something that's real for you in in the drop the work burnout four week class. Okay, what are we on? Number eight? All right, I have to speed this up. Number eight, <clears throat> you have a stressful job. You have a stressful job that requires you to be in survival mode to do the job. This, to me, is like people who work in hospitals, emergency um, medical services, first responders, police officers, firefighters. Um, emer- I said that like doctors, healthcare workers. Um, and there are many, many rescue, search and rescue. Like there are many, many, many other high stress jobs. But. So you're required to be in survival mode to do that job like you need to be in fight or flight you need to have that balance those people tend to also have a wider stress tolerance so that when they're in survival mode they can still like function and think clearly inside of that container because it's like okay this is the role this is the job this is what needs to be done and we need this adrenaline and this cortisol and you know all this clear you know um norepinephrine and this dopamine to really focus and save this person or get this thing done or whatever, whatever. But once you clock out, once that job is done for the day or for the shift, you don't know how to release that survival mode state that you have now been in for eight hours, 12 hours plus. And it's like taking the work home with you. It sticks in your mind. It sticks in your nervous system. It feels like you can't calm down. It's like other people's energy is now inside of you, if you wanna like say it in that way. But still, at the end of the day, your nervous system's jacked up into survival mode. How do we release it in a way that serves us so that we get to live our lives as well, so that we get to show up to that next shift, that, <clears throat> job role again and do it again and again for many many years especially if it's a role that we love and is so fulfilling as many of those jobs are but we get to do it at our best we get to do it at at good energy at peak energy at peak mental focus and we don't sacrifice our physical or mental needs because of it number nine not setting boundaries around your needs with time, responsibilities, tasks, availability, support. So not setting boundaries. Now I can't wait to talk to you more in depth about boundaries in the four week group coaching class. Um, Yeah, But because boundaries can be physical, they can be verbally expressed. They can also be energetically just present. And you know it because you feel it. Like we all have that person in our life. Think about that person who you just won't fuck with. You're like, I'm, I can't even say that to them, right? Like they have this boundary, whether for good or for not, but you just feel like, oh, they won't let me go there. And then there's having the conversation about your boundary. So of course you need to bring self-awareness into where you feel you need to set up a boundary. And a boundary is not to keep people out, like it's not a wall, but it is a filter for how you let people in, how you let things in to your space, your mental, your physical, your energetic space and it is an effort to have a win-win on both sides to have a win for you so that you feel safe so that you feel heard or whatever your needs are and so that person can also respect that when we set up a boundary it actually is serving both people even if you know that other person doesn't recognize it as something that's good you know and helpful for them that's okay that's on them that's their work to do but for us <clears throat> we know that this is something. And again, this takes some practice in being intentional and figuring out what your body needs. And then of course, holding it in the moment, which is probably one of the hardest things to do if you're unfamiliar with holding a boundary, because it doesn't feel good at first. It feels wrong. It feels like you get all these feelings of guilt and shame. You feel scared. You feel like you're going to lose something. And your nervous system goes into fight or flight because it doesn't feel safe because it's unfamiliar to stand up for what you need. But when you practice it again and again and again, you recognize, okay, this is just how my nervous system's reacting and it's going to calm down and it's going to be okay. And actually, you know, in a few moments or over time, this is going to become my new norm that is serving me and is helping me to create the life and work experience that I want to create. Make sense? Dun, dun, dun. Number 10, we got three more. Are you ready? Number 10, you were working as an employee for a company, right? Or an organization or whatever. You were an employee. Excuse me. And you left the company because you wanted to start your own thing. You wanted to make your side hustle, your main gig. But Right, so now you run your own show, you're an entrepreneur, you're a freelancer, you're a solopreneur, You whatever, but you still feel burnt, you still get burnt out by a whole new set of factors that comes along with having your own business, with running your own thing. It's a whole other, let's just say, in, in um, influence of stressors now that you are thinking about that you have to uh, intentionally shift and set new beliefs around that tell you what you are deserving of, what you are capable of. And you're going to have to do that again and again and again. I think the expression that's coming to my mind for some reason is like new levels, new devils, in the sense that you're going to have new limiting beliefs, new challenges to continue to do this work around. So, you know, if you were expecting to just jump into your own thing and your life was going to be amazing, but then all of a sudden you find yourself having super drained energy, procrastinating, just getting in your own way, not being in integrity, saying you're going to do things and not doing them, um, not really doing the whole struggling and trying, but not really succeeding thing. This is all a part of this new level. So having the mental mentality to prepare yourself for this and having the tools to support yourself inside of this so that, you know, you're integrating and growing throughout this because you can't really prepare for it. You can only prepare to a certain extent. And then once, you know, we're we're running the race, so to speak, there are going to be things that we're going to have to learn to integrate as we are moving. And I truly believe that like taking the steps and being in momentum, even if you are walking the race, crawling the race. I don't know why I'm using a race as an analogy. It's not a race, but integrating the tools as you are taking the brave, courageous steps to regulate your nervous system every step of the way. That makes more sense than how I wanted to say it. Number 11, chasing the adrenaline high. Adrenaline, cortisol are powerful hormones essentially they're they're drugs <laughs> that our body produces, and they are addicting they the feeling of what it feels like to be like you know how many of you raise your hand if you have said before, I work better under pressure i <clears throat> thrive when there's a lot of stuff going on. Like the more, the busier I am, the more I get done. That kind of a thing. The more that's happening um, in a situation, the more I have to figure out, the more on point I am. Yeah. Because your body is producing all sorts of chemicals to help keep you focused, to you know help you see any potential danger. That's why so many of us are good at thinking of all of these like plan B contingencies or thinking of all of these worst case scenarios or scenarios we might have to create other um, plans for, other strategies for just in case. And we can see like, oh, if this happens, we're gonna do this. If that happens, we're gonna do that. That is your nervous system firing in a state of fight or flight. And it can serve us when we have a lot to figure out. And that surge of adrenaline, that surge of cortisol is energy. It gives us energy. It feels good. We feel like, oh my gosh, now I have, you know, I can all this focus and all this attention. We get a little bit of boost of dopamine and serotonin, which just feels good as well. But when we get stuck in those states, when we suddenly don't know how to stop chasing the adrenaline high when it becomes this addiction where we convince ourselves the only way we can get things done, the only way I'm good at my job, the only way that I can you know be in my life and, and be productive and be good is to live and act and work and parent and vacation and play in survival mode like people who are highly competitive, like, you know, it's a friendly game of volleyball, but you have that person who's like really intense about it and really aggressive because inside their nervous system, they have created this pattern where the only way they can win, the only way to work, the only way to lead, the only way to, I don't know, help, help create the win, is to be in that fight or flight state. And it's just, you don't even realize it until you're in the midst of it. So I feel like that's a really big one that I'm excited to get into in the, in the program as well. All right, so last but not least. Yes, that is a big factor in the solution, absolutely. And we need to focus, Susan said, we need to focus on our mental health and identity outside of our jobs and performance 100%. And I feel like that does kind of stem back to, um, what was the one I said before, like your self-worth being tied to your job and your performance and what success means to you. And when we really start to like unpack those layers and get down to the true us, not in survival mode, but actually in safety states, and then even, you know, a step higher vibration than that, which is flow state, we see, oh my gosh, these ways of being, these feelings that I'm chasing, that I'm trying so hard to earn from outside myself are available to me within, are available to me at any time because I choose to give myself permission to feel them. And yes, when we struggle with our mental health, it is harder to understand that and grasp that. It's definitely harder to think ourselves there, which is why we don't, which is why we drop into our body, but it's still the same process. We just need to help to align some things in a, on a deeper way, on a physiological way to help get us our our mind, our body, our nervous system to that state of safety so that we can actually start to believe like, wow, presence and connection are here in this moment, regardless of what's going on outside of me or in my thoughts. And that's really where our internal power comes from and our internal um, empowerment comes from as well. All right, let me go to the last one and then I'll answer a couple questions. So the last one is having trouble acknowledging when you need support and asking for support. so I feel like it's a two step process here, but ultimately, acknowledging that we need support, we need more resources we need you know to hire someone else we need someone more on our team. we need to have an assistant um, excuse me even just at home in home life like. Asking somebody for support, asking our friends for support when we truly need it. There's a belief there that if I need support, I'm weak. If I have to ask for support, it means I can't get it done. If I need, you know, a little bit more time or someone to assist me, that means I can't do it by myself and that means that I'm not valuable. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And that feels, you know, that's gonna set your nervous system up into a pattern where you'll continue to push and force and ignore and distract what your body is telling you that it needs until you can't ignore it anymore. And you burn out and you crash, you get depression, you feel exhausted, you hit fatigue, you get sick, you, you know, something happens. Second part of that is asking for it. So sometimes this is the harder part. You know, okay, I do need support, but I feel a way about asking for it, or I don't even know how to ask. I don't even know who to ask because I'm so out of practice and my mind is so full of all of these reasons why I shouldn't even be asking in the first place that I'm making such a big deal out of it. Like how many of you have made up this whole story in your head about like, oh my gosh, I need to ask. For support on this project, I'm making up an example, but just take it in your own way. And I need to, I I, just, I, want, I should ask, like, I'm going to ask my boss about it. But like, what if they don't consider me for a salary bonus or something? Because now they need to give those resources to the assistant that they're going to hire. Or what if they just don't see me as, as capable. We make up all these stories and we put it off for longer than we should. And then finally we get to the point where we have to ask, we have no choice, and then it's just so much more simple. It's just like so much easier than we made it up to be in our minds. So that's something that I for sure, I valued independence, I valued doing it on my own, struggling on my own, bootstrapped, all those things, and thought it was, a weakness, thought it was a negative thing, thought it was a hindrance um, to, to what I was going after. And now I realize, oh my gosh, the value of asking for help, the value that you see when somebody recognizes when they need that and they have the confidence and the self-trust to be able to reach out to gain those. Like It's actually, it's actually an asset. And my whole belief system has changed around it i still see the old belief system and i recognize many flaws and holes in that in ways that i held myself back for many many years and now i've done the work to shift that so those are my 12 common work burnout patterns that i see over and over again we're going to really dive into these in detail not just like what they are but the steps to rewiring that so what are the What are the things that are draining you? What do you want your work life to look like, feel like, be like? What are the limiting beliefs that are telling you that's too hard, too difficult, not enough, not capable, blocking you, you know, all those things? And then we work on those limiting beliefs as we support our physical energy as well with, you know, sleep and time management and nutrition and and all of those other um, things. So we really work on it on the mental, the energetic and the physical level. It's gonna be a great four weeks and I cannot wait. We get started next Thursday is the first one. Each call will be probably like 60 to 90-ish minutes, depending on how many questions you guys are gonna be asking, but I'll basically be teaching. We'll also be doing experiential stuff. So we'll be doing worksheets together. the exercises together on the self-limiting belief rewiring. We're going to be doing tapping, EFT tapping to help actually break these beliefs and rewire ones that we want that feel better in our body, that we want as our new truth. And it's going to be really powerful, Uh, powerful four weeks. All right, I'm going to check out some questions. And then I am going to let you guys have a great rest of your day. Okay, this is a great question. What do you do when your whole self-worth is tied to your job? How can I find the real me? This is a great question and I think a lot of us can relate to this. So first and foremost, we want to track the patterns of our nervous system when we feel like how that self-worth is tied to our job. What aspects about our job Do we connect to our self-worth and our identity where it feels like it is inseparable? And we wanna start creating like little space between that so we can understand what truly limiting beliefs we have that has us hold onto that belief system, that has us hold onto that identity and how that feels in our body when we can understand the feeling patterns, like literally the emotions and where we experience them inside of our body. Like, I feel this bracing heart, I feel this pressure in my chest, I feel this like, um, you know, uh, numbness in my mind. I just, my mind goes blank or I have a million thoughts, everything is firing all at once. These are energetic, emotional sensations and we can track those patterns. So we have to figure out first and foremost, what has us stay here? It's great that you, have the awareness that you that you get it, that you're like, okay, this is something that I'm, that's definitely happening and recognize it's not serving me. It's not helping me feel the way I wanna feel or have the life that I want to have. So how can we go a level deeper? What is keeping us there? What are the self-limiting beliefs, the mentality, the ways that we are behaving, the ways that we are, I like to say it like this, how, um, what is the relationship that we have with work that has us behave in this way? Why do we put ourselves in this role when it comes to work? Because it's probably any job that you would have, even if you quit this job and went to another one, over time you would end up here again. So, there is a pattern here that we want to start identifying. Then, when you, I when you see some of those patterns then you start to bring some nervous system regulation inside of those beliefs so let's just say one of your beliefs is um i'm not good enough unless i earn um this much salary a month or something so what is it what are the limiting beliefs inside of that that has you tied to that um maybe there's a part of you that feels like i am not appreciated you know, outside of work. I am not worthy enough to be in a relationship, which is truly what I want. I truly want to be able to, you know, give to the people around me to feel satisfied and, you know, fulfilled in my life. And we start to connect to those values of that true you. But those really only start to come to the surface. We only feel safe to allow ourselves to hear them when our nervous system is in that safety state. So that's where we bring in the somatic tools and the tapping and the movement and the breath work and the um, and the different ways that we can meet ourselves where we're at in that survival state bring ourselves into safety mode and really hear, like what that young version of ourself needs, what that historical version of ourself needs and bring it to the emotion that we need, bring it to the energy that we want to feel. And then from there we can get clarity on how that might look and what we might need to do that. I hope that answered your question. It's It's a great question and one that truly needs um more time to answer and also it's not just about me telling you it's about you practicing it like us practicing it together and implementing it over time and and seeing what that feels like and getting the feedback and it's a really experiential like lived thing yeah that's the thing right financial security keeps me in this pattern how much is enough whenever we puts a number on what's enough or what it's going to take for us to feel enough, right away, you gotta identify that as as something that is never going to, you'll never reach it. You'll never reach it because you always, whenever we put the, oh, I'll feel enough when, I'll allow myself to feel good when this thing happens, When I reach the jot, when I get that title, when I get that salary, when, you know, it's never going to feel the way that we expect it to feel. And so because even when we get to that mountaintop, right, we earn the whatever, make up a number, we earn the hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we've been chasing. And then we're like, oh, but my life doesn't feel good. Like, I don't like what I'm doing at my job. Like, this isn't fun. This is a struggle. This is exhausting. Am I going to have to be exhausted the rest of my life just to maintain this salary, this income? What went wrong, right? Like, what's, how did I even get here? Yeah, I got the salary, but it doesn't feel the fulfilled, satisfied, safe, secure, happy, um, you know, Expanded way that I wanted, that I wanted it to feel. That people told me it would feel. That I projected on people that I thought it would feel. And my life is not is not where I want it to be. So we got to go back and start at the emotions, start at the sensations. How do I want it to feel? How do I want it to feel when I imagine the thing that I want coming to fruition? And then we work on allowing ourselves to feel those a mountaintop emotions in the present right now before anything has ever changed. And it's a practice. And at first it feels really weird and really hard and really strange. And you're like, you're going to tell me I can feel fulfilled and satisfied with my life when it's a fucking mess. (laughs) And I know it's really hard to like comprehend, which is why we drop it down to the somatic level of things. So Great, great question. All right, you guys, I am gonna head off for the rest of my day. Yeah, and we'll just, I just saw your last um, comment, which is, I forgot how to allow myself to have fun because it comes back to not giving yourself permission. You don't feel safe having fun because it's in your mind, not on track to having that income, not on track to having that success, but, when we take a step back we have to recognize that the only way to have that is to integrate both and so maybe something for you to kind of tap into today is when was the last time i allowed myself to have fun what was i doing what you know what do i remember doing as a kid that just i just did for no other reason than because it was fun because you know, it was just me in the moment. I was just playing and there was no other productivity. There was no other learning that I needed to do. There was, it wasn't really any other purpose than to just be in the moment and have fun and play. And as you'll learn, play is one of my four forms of rest because when we allow ourselves just to be free and play, even if it's for like a few moments a day, we can really feel it's a recharge. It's not a recharge like sleep is a recharge, but it is absolutely a spiritual recharge, an emotional recharge. And allowing ourselves to have that, giving ourselves permission to get those moments in small doses, in our everyday, is a big practice, is a big behavior change towards breaking up how you've been going about it and not feeling the way that you have been you know, wanting to feel. So essentially breaking up that self-worth and identity tied to your job, to productivity, to all that stuff. So great conversation, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. This is gonna be on the podcast, um, which is currently named the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast and then is in a rebrand stage, but I haven't decided on a name yet. So if you have any suggestions, I'm happy to you know, take them in. Thank you so much. If you're interested in enrolling in the Drop the Work Burnout Cycle, it's a four-week series. We're starting the first week next Thursday, March 16th. It's going to be live, and if you can't make the lives, you'll have access to all the replays for life, so all four replays plus all the bonus stuff. And if you want to just join the the four-week series, it's 2.22. $222 US. And if you wanted to join the burnout recovery roadmap program with this four week series included, that's 555 and both links are in my bio. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the engagement and the conversation. Really, really good stuff. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.